Hey everybody, welcome to episode 130 of For the Love of Guns. Today we're going to talk about Glocks, SIGs, shotguns like the Benelli M2, the 870. We're going to talk AKs, ARs, really cool guns that we can make even cooler and more practical at the same time. Now you know I love building guns and I love doing upgrades. And today's guest is going to talk about some really cool products that we can make these guns truly our own. Today, I have David Lee from Strike Industries. Now, David has been in this industry for a while, and he's got some really cool background of the stuff he's done. Now, you're definitely going to want to listen to this one because there's a lot of stuff here. Strike Industries is releasing stuff like every week. And if you miss a little bit, you miss a lot. So definitely, you're going to want to hear what's coming up. Now, this show is brought to us by Falco Holsters. Falco makes it the old-fashioned way, by hand. Just think about it. This is like American craftsmanship going back to like the 50s and 60s when we had a lot of pride in our work. That's what they have. They have a lot of pride in their work, and it shows in the quality. At Falco Holsters, they can make a holster for any gun, every budget, without sacrificing quality. And if you use the checkout code BANSHEE, you'll save 10% on your order. Now, this is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. We need ammo to run our guns. I mean, that's we're gun people. That's what we do. But have you thought of ammo as an investment? And that's what they're doing over at Ammo Squared. They know that we're going to use our ammo. They also know that, hey, when things go weird, ammo goes up, right? The price of ammo goes up. They're doing investment. So you can take like 20 bucks out of your paycheck and have it sent to Ammo Squared. They invested in ammo for you. And when you want it, you tell them, hey, look, can you send me my ammo? They'll send it to you. And I have a link for Ammo Squared and Falco holsters down below. Make sure you go check them out. Now, you all know that the content I create, I'm really passionate about firearms and the upgrades and the building, but let's talk to David Lee and see what he's got going on. David, tell me about your love of guns. Yeah. Hey, guys. What's up? My name is David Lee. I'm the head of marketing at Strike Industries. And uh, Strike Industries, if you know anything about us, we uh, like to innovate, sometimes really cool things, sometimes really fun things. We have hundreds of SKUs. And if you've been paying attention, we for quite some time now have been releasing a new product every single week. And as far as I'm aware of, that's not stopping until well into until or well into 2024. And that's the funny thing is, is it, it, it always seems like a turnaround. There's an announcement of a new product at Strike Industries. I mean, that is that's a that's a hard thing to do. I mean. I'm a content creator. It's harder for me to create content every week, but you guys are like releasing product that you've had to do research and development and testing and then, and then packaging and here it is. And that's yeah, definitely every week. There, there are times where I feel like if you're not having a manic episode at work, you might not be exactly productive that day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we do a lot. We, we certainly work extremely hard and um, we're constantly working on multiple projects at the same time. So, and the one thing it's, it's really cool about Strike is, you know, Strike is an aftermarket support for, uh, company. Correct. And, you know, most people go, okay, I'm an aftermarket support. Uh, 
why I really can talk today. <laughs> I'm an aftermarket parts company, but I'm just going to make locks, right? And or I'm going to do AR. You guys are doing blocks, ARs, SIGs, um, MMP, um, PZ, yeah, I mean, shotgun you're, stuff. You're, Shotgun stuff. I was getting ready to say AK shotgun stuff. stuff. I mean, that's just that's just crazy thinking about. You've got so many things out there, and you just keep on releasing products on top of it. I mean, yeah. How do you keep track of everything that's going on? I mean, there must be like really a good organization. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a sometimes it's an organized mess depending on how you look at it. Sometimes it's just like wow, somebody. So we got some real Type A people here because everything is very very organized. Um, but I gotta say, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? The, the, the side of the sword that helps us is that we're not afraid to put things out there and maybe if it's not perfect, like we'll come back and we'll make it better. You know, sometimes you gotta throw things at the wall to see what sticks. And other times, um, I think if you look at our company versus a lot of other aftermarket parts, manufacturers or companies or boutique shops, we're not afraid to innovate basically. Like if it doesn't make sense, then we'll try again. If it really doesn't make sense, maybe we'll just table that for life, right? So the other side of the sword that doesn't really help us sometimes is that we come out with so much so quickly that we are uh, sometimes cannibalizing our own product's attention. Cause let's say, I mean, not everybody has a time to check their email, Instagram every single day, right? So yeah. if you, even if you are a loyal like strike newsletter subscriber, or you're always on the gram, maybe you miss like the product that we put out three weeks ago, but you know about the products like from months past or this week or last week, but then you might miss the product that came out is that is coming out next week. And it's just, so sometimes we are our own worst enemy, but you know, that's my job, right? My job is to try to communicate to people like, Hey, don't forget about this. Like, Hey, this is coming yeah. out and Hey, this is already out. You should get it before it's sold out or something like that. I mean, it, it's funny because it's like with strike is if you miss a day, you miss a lot. I, I forget where that was like an old news uh, tagline for our news channel, but really with strike, just because you have so much stuff coming out. Um, that's a great tagline. I'm going to bring up the web page real quick here to give everybody an idea. This is right off of Strikes Industries web page, the intellectual property page. So these are all your trademarks, which you guys That's have correct. a ton of trademarks. And then we go into patents. We look at all of the patents that you guys have. I mean, that's that's We have insane. a lot. <laughs> yeah, and there's more that's on the insane. way. I mean, yeah, our, our IP is pretty great. Uh, we have an IP team as well, which is very rare. I think in uh, most companies of our mission sector of the, the uh, gun industry, because I think more, it's not an issue of like, uh, you know, credibility or necessarily like um, who innovated it first, but more so when you do, um, when you do what we do regarding IP and patents, well, now there's a dateline tag to this product, right? Or this, right. W whatever we've come out with so that if someone has improved the same design, but you know, they don't violate IP or the patent laws, then we know like, hey, we came out with it first, maybe someone else improved on it, but we came out with it first. So the important thing is the dates and uh, it's just a nice way to organize um, that sort of information. But of course, you know, like a lot of companies, there are, um, there can be some issues with uh, 
uh, the timing and credibility yeah. and who did it first yeah. or who thought of it first, right? As we see right now with like the, what's that one case that just came out that was pretty juicy. I think it was a PSA versus uh, the S15 oh. company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that it was took me a while. So like PS, for some reason I was thinking Trijicon and I was thinking Red Dots. Uh, but no, no, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that, that one. Yeah. That, that one was only like a week ago, right? That was pretty funny. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that's that's uh, that's unpleasant, you know? Like, I would never <laughs> want to be in that position. And I, and the, and that, that situation, if you guys want to go Google that, that is exactly why we have an IP team. That is why we have that page on our website. That's why we do what we do in order to avoid that situation. Obviously, I think that the gun industry is large enough for everyone to make their fair share, to create cool yeah. things. But unfortunately, there's some like drama that happens like that every now and then. Well, and that's the thing is that, I mean, you're, you guys are coming out with product. Um, you've got research and development, like we talked, like I talked about before, you know, research and development, um, packaging, all this stuff that you had to do before that thing even launched. That's a lot of money. I mean, this is not like someone sitting down at their home PC playing with CAD and coming something coming up with something. You guys have a lot of research going into this stuff. So yeah, I mean yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean you've got to you've got to protect your investment as well to make sure. I mean the other thing I liked about your webpage was is um, it was down at the bottom somewhere uh, I forget where actually I forget where it was. I think it was on the on the IP page. It was talking about, hey, if you find a counterfeit part, let us know. Mm. I mean that's yeah, how far it is. You're, you're like, hey, we don't want to be counterfeited because, I mean, you can get, I mean, we'll just talk Glock for a second here. Glock upgrades are everywhere. I mean, people have been upgrading Glocks for so long. Mm -hmm. There's so many parts out there. And then, um, you know, one of my friends is a Marine Gun Builder. He did a whole video on counterfeit Glock parts. Oh, did he? This, this stuff happens. And it, a counterfeit part, it's not just we're talking about IP. It could be a safety issue at that time, too. Definitely. Yeah, that would be my first and foremost concern, um, which is why you see a lot of disclaimers. And they're often centered around safety on our product pages, where we're very careful with our product descriptions to make sure that they give the most amount of information as possible to keep uh, our customers, our users safe, but also so that people just know what they're doing, right? Um, we obviously you can't control all the counterfeiters, right? It's, especially right. in this day and age where everything is reverse engineered in China. But that's how a lot of people make mistakes when they buy certain parts off of maybe Amazon or eBay or Wish.com or Alibaba, AliExpress, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. It's tempting, right? It looks like hey, it looks just like the same thing. It's like fifty bucks less. Why not, right? But right. I mean, there, there's risk. It's with like that. it's like the. Uh... You can buy uh you can buy a stock for uh, like a Magpul stock, but it's an airsoft stock. You like mm. counterfeit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely some people who sell the real thing, and they say asterisks or quote quotation yeah. marks, uh, airsoft just to get by, like uh, maybe certain, some right, yeah, certain regulations, yeah, shipping yeah, restrictions or whatnot. Certain platforms you're not allowed to say things on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but other times, yeah, it's like that's fake. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing i wanted to wanted to talk a little bit about here is um the strike modular chassis i mean this is something sure. relatively new and uh for one of my favorite guns the the p320 
-hmm. talk to me a little bit about this. What, you know, where did this come from? Like, you know, why are people interested in putting more stuff on their gun? I think if we want to dial back the time a little bit or the clock, I would say it goes all the way back to original, um, the, the idea of like what Magpul did with the FMG. And we, you know, a lot yeah. of people first experienced that not through necessarily any Magpul marketing back in like 08 or whatever, whenever that was, um, maybe 06. 06 to 08, I would say is around the era that, that came out. I think most people found out about that through video games, like Call of Duty. Yeah. And ever since then, people have been really enamored with the idea of having a PDW style weapon where you can just put on a ton of stuff. You know, shooting a pistol is hard yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, so, having a sort of chassis platform really makes that you know a lot easier now some people might argue i would rather just get you know a longer rifle style carbine for um pistol calibers that's why there's things such as pccs right but other other people are just like i don't care it looks dope i want it <laughs> it looks fun yeah you know so i think that's that's what where the the demand came from right and especially with how modular the SIG platform is with the, their FCU system, it just makes a ton of sense, right? Because with blocks, that's not necessarily the case because your frame is the firearm, right? With SIGs, not so much. You've got the grip module. You just need the FCU uh, for that to be classified as the firearm. So you, you can buy whatever grip modules or quote unquote frames as you want and, and just have fun customizing and do it legally. Yeah, because there was there there was even a time for the P320. Somebody was trying to figure out how to take the FCU of a P320 and put it into an AR lower. I mean, that's that's how <laughs> modular that platform was. Yeah. People were going with it. It never happened. But if you think about it, you're right. You just had the FCU. This is the gun. I mean, the gun was basically the it was basically designed to be a bolt-on gun, right? Mm -hmm. I have the gun. It's this little thing here with the rails yeah do whatever Internals. do whatever you want with it and go yeah awesome well yeah the alpha was extremely popular um just to drop some tea i suppose uh our bravo is coming out this friday we put out a teaser oh. uh yesterday so the pre-order for that is starting this friday uh, you mentioned that this podcast is coming out on Sunday, so I guess yep. we're soon to be out. <laughs> yeah, soon to be out. Yeah, the Bravo's coming very soon, guys. It's coming out, I think, um, at, at the latest, January 2024. So if you guys put in your order mid-December, you'll get it very, very soon, in under a month, likely. And um, But that's not to say that we've forgotten about the Alpha. There may or may not be a V2, and... There may or may not be a Charlie as well. So, you know, it's it's a platform that is really, really uh, beloved, I think, by our loyal customers and by the market as well. And that's not to say that the Alpha didn't have issues. Obviously, the product predates my time with Strike. Sure. But uh, I, all I can say is that should there be a V2, all those issues will be addressed and people will be happier for it. Now, I understand that people um, who had the V1 were potentially not so happy but uh i think we'll we can be able to figure something out i mean but that's also product development if you think about it i mean version one and got sig so bad about this with their guns lately um 
there you come up with a product you can't think of everything all at once right i mean yeah especially at the speed try, that we work in <laughs> yeah as much as you try you try so hard to get it right someone is going to figure out oh well this i mean it, it happens um, yeah it, it's nothing specific to any particular product it just it just happens um yeah well, so six the cool kids on the block right now, right? I mean, they yeah, got right. all the military contracts and they're, they're doing this and doing that and they're coming out with God knows everything, you know, like you could think of it like they, they're about to make it or they've already made it, right? So right. I think that with a company of that size, you just go take a look at them on LinkedIn, right? Just so many employees, so <laughs> many locations, they're massive. Yeah. So I would expect a company like that to make mistakes. Um, smaller company may not make those sort of mistakes. Um, at least in the speed that they work in or the amount of sales strategy or marketing or different types of product offerings that they plan to release. I feel like we do have some common ground there between Strike and Sig in that aspect. But typically speaking, we don't have the, that amount of um, or that level of issues with our products. Usually we get it right pretty quickly or, you know, the first time yeah. around. Well, and that's there's something to be said about small companies at that point. I mean. Uh, you know, from my day job, I've worked for small companies. I've worked for a large Fortune 500. I've even worked in the defense industry. Mm. When you get into those, long, uh, those big companies, like if you want to, if you want to do something different, it's like you know, like trying to turn an aircraft carrier. They don't <laughs> turn on a dime. No, um, it don't. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a while to get that thing turned around, and then yeah. So it, that's what I. That's what I kind of like about where the aftermarket industry kind of comes from. Um, Glock. Yeah, we're definitely not, more agile. Yeah, Glock didn't. You know, when Glock is Glock, we're Glock, and then the aftermarket parts started coming out, and they're like, "But we're Glock." Um, but then everybody's like, "But I don't like the way you went." But these companies made this slide, and these companies made this barrel, and this company made a mag release that I like. And now you got all the aftermarket service providers yeah, as well, like stippling yeah. and all sorts of right. stuff. Now it's my gun. I don't care if it's Glock. It's my Glock. And, mm -hmm. and that's the one thing that was kind of interesting with the SIG when the P320 came out. It's almost like SIG just saw what happened to Glock and went to the, to the aftermarket to go, bring it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> bring it. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. they're making SIG money off the FCU. They made their money. I think yeah. SIG was so smart in, I mean, like some people may hate SIG, right? But like, I think they were really smart in their business strategy, right? Like their business acumen is like off the charts because I think I, think, I see Glock and SIG like Apple and Android, right? Like Glock is like Apple. You just give it to them. It works. You can depend your life on it. It comes yeah. with like a heavy connector, like anywhere between four to eight pounds, depending on, you know, your luck and also what model, what generation. But you know it lasts like up to 30 yeah, like, rounds, right? It's like you used to have the NY1 trigger, which is heavier pull that was mm -hmm. for people that used to carry revolvers. And yeah, I mean. But then with SIG, they were like, hey, let's, uh, I mean, obviously people can make their aftermarket SIG slides and barrels, et cetera, and parts, but SIG just came out with their own, what was it called? Their, uh, it's, not, it's not like a SIG custom shop. Is it SIG Pro? Oh, it's the, it's, it's the you know no, what I'm talking I, about. I I know what you're talking about. Um, pro something. For example, they have pro, a slide. Yeah. This, this is the pro cut slide for P2. Yeah, the pro. Right? Yeah. Like, SIG Which works. Which is funny. SIG is, something. 
what's so funny is you look at it, it's like that's the way it should have looked at me. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. I mean, the, but that's not to say I, that there still aren't really great aftermarket options for SIG, right? I mean, like for, for the longest time, I think people just really didn't like SIG uh, OEM grips. So I think oh, the yeah, immediate yeah. company that I can think of that filled in that gap, Wilson Combat, right? Whether it's a P365 or P320, people love the Wilson Combat grip. Yep. Speaking of yeah, which, we are coming out with a P365 grip soon too. Oh, nice. Um, yep. And, well, it's like, so let's talk a little bit about the piece. Of, yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm looking through your SIG page. Let me just actually bring it up because you guys, you guys actually have some pretty badass looking slides here. Um, now, these yeah. are the 365 slides, but it, it's, you know, this is what, I, this is what's great about aftermarket. Yep. SIG screwed up on the 365 by not giving us an optics cut. Mm -hmm. It's totally screwed that up. The 365XL, which I have both guns, you know, they're like, okay, well, here's an optics cut. I guess nobody, they never thought somebody, but you guys came out with a, a good looking slide. I mean, I love the lightning cuts in it and everything. Um, and then you gave, you know, you're coming out with, hey, here's an optics cut to it too. This is where, yeah. this is what I love about aftermarket parts is it's, you guys can make up for the stuff that the OEM either should have done or the stuff that the consumer really wants. Mm -hmm. I mean, customizing a gun is, I mean, that's a very personal thing, right? I mean, yes. if you want a stock gun, you're gonna stock gun. But if you're someone like me that you, you, you mess around with guns, you build guns, you do stuff, you get into you tinker. The, how crazy, yeah, how crazy can we make this thing look, right? Mm -hmm. how, how far can I push this gun? And sometimes <laughs> pretty far. I have, um, a, I have a friend, and he's not with Strike, but he uh, he bought the Strike uh, P365 slide, and he put an Acro P2 on that slide somehow. I think he paid somebody to mill it out. So he was just like, hey, thanks for all the options, but I'm just going to go with my own way. <laughs> he put an Acro <laughs> on it, and he's carrying, I think, a P3 six five xl specter comp or something like that but um yeah that's his carry gun with an acro but some people are just wild like that people love to tinker you know that's just that's just our industry well and yeah exactly that's what that's what it's that's what's so great about it is that we can do anything you know we mm -hmm. if you want to tinker you can tinker um you know the old days i think old days i'm starting to think of the old days but you know i think about when i grew up a gun was a gun However, the mm. manufacturer designed that gun. That's the way it stayed. And it really, mm. there wasn't a whole lot of after, aftermarket parts for guns when I grew up was, okay, it's not a Smith & Wesson mag. It's somebody else's mag, right? Mm -hmm. That was really your aftermarket parts was magazines and sights. But now we can do all kinds of stuff. I mean, even like now. Virtually anything. Build, yeah. I mean, if you think about it now, you can build a Glock without one part being Glock now. Hundred um, percent. I mean that that's just crazy. Um, now speaking about building Glocks, we can't not have Strike Industry on and not talk about the Strike Eighty because sure, that was sure. how this. I mean, a lot of people know the Strike Eighty, especially from where I come from. You know, they know Strike Industries because of the Strike Eighty. Now mm -hmm. we all know that. Well, the world just kind of gone crazy with the ATF and the frame and receiver rule. Yeah, but. 
you guys are working on now the Strike 100. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the Strike 100 because we know it's it's not out yet, but you guys are kind of you've been hinting at this for a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel bad because I'm I'm constantly sharing posts from people who build out their 80s and like people who uh, are constantly asking me on Instagram every single day, badgering me about the Strike Frame. So I do feel a little guilty, but it is coming. Uh, there are some issues on the back end, like sometimes it's a vendor thing, but sometimes you'd be surprised it's not a vendor issue and it may be a paperwork issue too. You know, we want to make sure, yeah. like right now, anytime I make a social media post or a content post, I can say, we don't sell firearms, right? Soon, yep. may not be the case, right? And so when that uh, piece changes, I didn't even gonna, think about that. Yeah, yeah that's going to change my whole ballgame in terms of how I deal with strategy in terms of marketing yeah. and social media and uh you know paperwork is an issue sometimes so we you know we got to make sure we're above board and make sure we got our i's and d's uh, t's crossed and dotted so that's one aspect of it but i know that the strike 80 frame was very popular it was one of the more comfortable uh frames to hold out there i think there's you know you've got the p80 frame obviously you've got 80 percent arms you've got um lone wolf and finally strike 80 um but yeah, the Strike 100 is coming. I'm hoping to see it come to fruition sometime in 2024. That it remains to be seen. I really don't have the answer to that. But all I can say is that we're working on it. We are doing our best to make sure it gets into customers' hands. And uh, if and when you know it comes out, I would assume and I would like to say that people will be very pleased once they do get it. See, and that's that's the thing. Like for me, when I turned 21, I went out and bought a Glock 17. So mm-hmm. it was a Glock 17 Gen 2. I was yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but yes, that's what I did when I was 21. And then that's what that gun's actually what got me into competition shooting. I know the audience mm. has heard this a lot of times, but I had to switch out from Glock to SIG. I had to change because for my day job, carpal tunnel becomes a thing. And mm. I don't have it yet, but my hands are not as strong as they used to be. I get the kind of the wrist problems. So I had to go to SIG because of ergonomics. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you softer trigger too. Glock, yeah. If you give me a Glock, I can run the crap out of a Glock. I can just do it because I just have so many. Gosh. You got a lot of time behind the gun. I got a lot of time. Yeah, I got a lot of trigger time. I'm just trying to add up. I'm like, you know, it was nothing for me to go out. It, it you know back when I was really competing, there's nothing for me. It, it was nothing for me to go out and go through two, three thousand rounds mm-hmm. in a weekend. Um, but that's the thing about the Glock is you conform to a Glock. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there's just no there's just nothing about it. I mean, they, there's just not a whole lot of ergonomics to a Glock, and that's where I like where people started working with you know the aftermarkets. Hey, look, Glock feels like a two by four. If it's in 45 caliber or 10 millimeters, it's gonna feel like a four by four in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's change this up. And that's where I was really happy to see other players come in, like you know, the Strike 80 coming in and go, um, hey, look, <laughs> here's a different take on it. This one mm-hmm. feels better in your hand than your stock Glock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the name of the game with uh, Glock style aftermarket frames, always a mouthful, is that what uh, is the goal is to provide the sort of experience ergonomically and features that one would have spent with their own money on an OEM frame, 
right? So you're talking about gas pedals or like double undercuts or a deeper undercut between the grip and the trigger guard. Um, you know, maybe a different angle by removing a certain amount of material in the grip or even increasing, creating a palm swell, stippling, you name it, right? There's different levels of stippling. And of course, that's just the frame. We haven't even talked about the slide yet. So, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? But like, I think a great example would be like what, what Zev did, right? They kind of, yes. they kind of saw the writing on the wall, I think, and they created their own, um, gosh, what is it called? The OZ9. I don't know what they call their own FCU. Maybe it is an, it's just like a Zev FCU, but their Glock style is quite, quite smart. Their Glock style um, frame and Glock FCU system, because you can buy different size grips and pair with different size and length slides and the, nothing is considered the fire other than the fire control unit. So yep. I think, yeah, you know, like maybe you'll see more companies doing that in the near future. So I'm going to change. We, we've been talking a lot about pistols. I want to change up just a little bit. I'm going to bring the, bring this up. One of the probably like the most badass designs I've seen is coming out of shotguns. Yes. Um, with you yes. I'm a big so, fan of the VOA. Yeah. These are these are awesome. I mean, so I have a Benelli M2. That's my my shotgun for three guns. Um, so, of course, I'm going to bring up the Benelli one because oh, that's my thing. Um, I mean, this is just like, like really, I'll bring it up in tan so everybody can see. Everybody on the audio side, I'm sorry. You're just going to go out to strikeindustries.com. I'll have a link down below for you to get to the website. But this is just really cool, right? I mean, now we have M-Lock out there. We got um, QD attachments. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, I think it's only like nine ounces for this. Yeah, it's, quite, it's definitely quite light. I mean, that's like, Okay, here's your stock, you know, your stock shotgun. I mean, the M the M2 is a, a very um, very popular shotgun. You also mm -hmm. do it for the the Remington 870, which I have. Mm -hmm. um, that was actually my first shotgun ever. Um, and also the Mossberg 500. So I mean, you're mm -hmm. hitting like the major shotguns that everybody are doing. You're like, hey, look, here's this, here's a need. Here's, and and not only do you hit a need. Here's how to make it look really cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we also have it coming out for the um, what's it called? The Beretta, uh, not the A three hundred Ultima Patrol, but the what's the even more expensive one? The one that partnered with Langdon Tactical, the thirteen oh one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to come out soon as well. I don't have a date on that, unfortunately, but I can tell you that a lot of people want it because they're also asking very regularly online. They're like, yeah. how, how about my 1301? How about this or that? Yeah. But, uh, in terms of the Benelli side, we, it also fits with the M4. Just want to put that out there. Well, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, there's not much of a difference between the M2 and the M4. Um, no. Most of that's really on the internals. But if we also go into, I'll bring this back up again. We have the shotgun clamps. I mean, this mm -hmm. is when I've the clamp that I have for my extended mag tube sucks so bad that it's not even on my shotgun. Right? It just, oh. it, it's terrible um, because it's just two pieces of stamped metal that it, it, it just it's terrible. Mm -hmm. This is what's really cool. I mean, you guys are really thinking about what a shooter needs. Yeah, and then on top yeah. of it, you're giving you're, you're giving me some pick rail. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can't turn down pick rail whenever I can get it. 
Yeah, it's also affordable. <laughs> yeah, it's all, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not gonna it's not gonna kill me to go buy it. I mean, yeah, and it comes the extended back tubes are already expensive. For sure, yeah. So um, if you go on TikTok or YouTube, let's talk about YouTube first. So I think the sure. most recent person to review the VOA handguard was probably Administrative Results. He put out a video. It's mostly comical, right? Um, yep. he, you know, his his whole persona is like satire, right? Yeah. So it, if you it, go on exactly. his second channel, uh, Managerial Outcomes, he did a funny uh, 870 video and. It's very interesting because he put a lot of rounds through it in a range and he ended up putting grip tape on the on the, on the handguard because he said it was like too slippery for him to like constantly be pumping. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, I was shooting with uh, Gatman the past uh, week and he showed me his 870. Uh, and for him, he just put one of our um, hand stops, a curved hand stop, and then he put, instead of putting a light on the barrel clamp pick rail, he put a light on the call it the 10 o'clock position of the handguard and so now your thumb is resting on his uh his flashlight i think i think it was um oh gosh what is it called incog no sorry wrong brand um anyways he had a he had a uh, like a pistol tack light um on the 10 o'clock side of the the m-lock handguard okay. and then on the six o'clock side he had one of our curved hand stops and so now you have something to push forward and you have the and hand stop back. to help you pull back so i thought that was genius and a lot less work than cutting up grip tape to fit across the hand guards uh i hope to put some of that content out probably soon within the next week so people will see get get an example of that too i may actually well, I even mean, put it on the product description page if you think about it um with with the m-lock is that that becomes a thing right so if you have like a hand grip like the you know the just the little curved one mm -hmm. you split two fingers and you have your forward and back and you don't even need that much stuff there yeah yeah so i mean but the way that i like the i like the flashlight it. thing um because yeah, yeah it, that's cool yeah, I would definitely recommend that for most people. Um, with the way that Gatman had it, I would say at that point, if you already invested in a barrel clamp, well, then the barrel clamp with the pick rail could be used for, say, a nice laser, and yep. uh, or maybe when you're trying to like sight in, uh, and if you, maybe for whatever reason you're not bore sighting and you want to use a laser on the pick rail, you have that option. Yeah, that's just it, it, you get into the point where the you just. <laughs> There's so many things you could do. We can't. We couldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, if you want to bring up the website real quick, I can show you something really cool that we, we've yeah. been working on in the past few months. So if you scroll up to the top um, to see like, all the menu options, to the top, yeah, and you click on the button but next to Facebook, the Facebook logo. It says Gun Map. Yep. Yeah, so this is pretty cool. I'd like a lot more people to know about this feature. The images are not sexy. I'll say that. We're working on the images, but we wanted to get the feature out there. Now, if you hover your mouse around some of the, there you go, some of the parts, yeah, you'll see, see some callouts. Yeah, you'll see some callout signs and That's symbols covered. telling you, hey, these are the parts we make for your gun and for, that is, for any that is cool. sort of platform. Yeah, if you scroll down, you keep on seeing the other platforms that we work on too. You got the AR section, upper, like the upper, lower, lower, some other weapon platforms as well. If you keep going down, here we got okay, the CZ so Evo Scorpion. The, uh, Scorpion, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
And then I think we, I'm not sure if we have the AK up yet, but anyways, the whole point of this, of course, the Glocks, right? The whole point of this is to show people, hey, if you buy into this weapon platform, well, these are all the parts we make for you and for it. That is so cool. I, I love that. Yeah, um, I mean, well, it's, it's, so not, it's I... not sexy, right? Like, but we are working on the images to make it um, well, a little bit better and mobile friendly as well. But if you think about it, it's in the concept of it, is is solid um, yeah 100 that is yeah because then you got your barrel and then you know if i click on the part it's gonna eventually it's <laughs> like the fan doing this recording i hear this fan just screaming on my laptop um but no i i can see it. that's great because it takes me right to the part then yep assuming so we cool. set up our back end correctly we should have all the category pages set up, you know, to be hot linked to any sort of like call out button that pops up when you're hovering your mouse around the gun map. It's funny, while we're here on the Glock barrels, this is one of the coolest things. I love the spiral fluting on the barrels. Yeah, it's definitely something I haven't seen before. Not the, the spiral, the, I've seen a couple of other spiral barrels before, but the way that ours is fluted is very interesting. Uh, it's not on all of them because some, uh, some of them are similar to each other, but there's a couple of them. I think it might be the Ultra Match or the new G43 barrel where it's a unique dual, um, dual fluted design where the fluting becomes smaller as you go in. I think if I'm looking at your screen right now, it's the Ultra Match. Take a look at the Ultra Match. That fluting design is sick. You see how it starts? If you go from left to right, right to left, or front of the barrel to the to the back of the barrel, yeah. you see. Do you see how the cuts kind of get smaller, as if it's yeah, like it an changed. apostrophe or something like that? Yeah, it's not one solid. It's not one solid like spiral that goes around the whole thing. That's just cool. I you see. That's why I like. That's why I like, you know, looking at strike products because you guys are just you're always thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. um i mean that is just you know it's just it's just so cool to, to see that yeah and while you're on this page i should say that you know for people who don't i mean because there there is it's a fair point for those who are like saying well what makes this match great right what uh, is this just like a marketing buzzword or is this just some like jargon i'm being like fed you know in order to right feel like i should be buying this i can tell you for a fact that anytime we use the word at strike it's for a good reason the, I can't obviously get into specifics because, you know, there's like, it's just, uh, I don't know if you want to call it trade secrets, but, you know, there's there's some, you know, privacy well, and security issues at there, play. Yeah, there, there's, some, there's some things that you just don't talk about. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't talk about your vendors yeah. all the time, right? I mean, you rarely can do that anyways. But for specifically the Strike G19UM, uh, the Ultra Match Barrel, I can tell you that the blanks come from the same blanks that are made to... Uh, create the barrels for four thousand plus dollar guns so what you're getting from this barrel is a tighter chamber which means tighter groupings the material is better than the average barrels no, no chinese steel or anything like that yeah so when you i mean we put out a, one video already we're going to put out some more videos in, in terms of like how good of a grouping you can get with this barrel because the fact of the matter is it is uh there there is a vast difference between this and the average glock barrel because you can go on to I don't want to say any specific discountwebsites.com, but you know you can go onto any random website and buy like a thirty-five dollar barrel. Some people might say like this works fine for me. Maybe it does, but we're just saying that hey, this barrel's legit. Well, and that's the thing is you know for me, 
when I was when I was in FFL, you know, I had sold um, I sold aftermarket barrels for mm-hmm. specifically specifically for Glock. Um, I even in my Glocks I had some aftermarket barrels, and there is a difference. Um, the one thing I learned. Like everybody else, I tried out 40 caliber and went back to nine, right? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. With with Glock and 40 calibers, you learn you learn, and, and I'm a reloader, so you learn really quickly about you know Glock bulge on mm. the back of the 40 calibers because the, the the chamber's not quite supported and all that stuff. When I put a match barrel in, my reloading became so much easier because the, those I wasn't getting as much of a Glock bulge out of that. So there is something to a match barrel. True match barrels really do solve problems. Now, Mm -hmm. that tighter chamber, I wouldn't buy that for the tighter chamber. I bought that for, I wanted the accuracy out of the barrel. Um, And then, plus, I went 40 caliber, and then I had a a 9mm conversion barrel. So I got Mm -hmm. like two guns out of, out of one do I just change nice. the barrel. But no, it's, you don't think about barrels. Like I had one customer bought a, um, uh, a Springfield XD. Um, it was a competition gun for his, his son. Son started okay. shooting competition. He, his son had a squid and it was like, it went off. Like I was weird. Fat rack. Send a second second bullet right down that barrel. Oof. And I'm like, so he's like, hey, look, I got I got to send this thing back to Springfield. So I got it, and I'm looking at this thing, going, how did this barrel hold? Hmm. I mean, I'm expecting to see this barrel just kind of blown out. No, nope, it was bulged, hmm. and it completely held. So buying a good barrel. I mean, I'm not saying that we shoot squib loads all the time, but it, it might happen. Yeah, um, it happens. It could that could have been disastrous with a cheaper barrel. For sure. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're a reloader, you know, you never know what's gonna happen unless you are extremely, extremely just meticulous with and slow with how yeah. you know you're measuring everything, if you're like your cartridge overall length or like the diameter, yep. the you know, seeing how the the projectile seats on the casing on the neck and whatnot. Um, I mean, I myself, my, my, my 34 had out of battery detonation one time. And I think that was because I didn't do a good job reloading and that barrel, that OEM barrel got blown out from that out of battery detonation. So it forced me to get a new barrel. Happy to say that it's recently back up and running and shooting like a laser. Very proud of that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a thing, you know, and, and that's, I think, I think if you put it like this, um, price tag also makes, also makes sense because if you if you're into match grade barrels, there are also match grade barrels that are cheaper, but they may require gunsmithing, right? They may require to be fitted. So, which means that uh, for, I think just the immediate, the best example is that some uh, barrels that require fitment might mean that you actually need to Dremel or file sand down certain areas of the chamber so that it locks up to your slide perfectly. It doesn't have too much um, material blocking it and doesn't have too little so that it doesn't lock up or lock back when it's empty. I'll show you the perfect example of a, of a gun that you will need to fit a barrel every time. Mm. 1911s. There you go. <laughs> um, this is a 1911 that I, I've been building for a long time. It's, uh, it's a project gun. 
Um, I've built several 1911s, but yeah. Like this, Sorry to interrupt you, uh, but at first, until you reached it back for that barrel, I thought you were just had like a background behind your back. I didn't oh, know no, that that's, actually that's real. a workbench uh, no, That is <laughs> yeah. real. Uh, I thought this, it looks so good. I thought it was an inserted image. I was like, oh, wow, this no, guy's weird. <laughs> no, it, it's funny because I get that a lot. It's it's actually oh, not green screen. Um, if uh, a lot of people who watch my videos knows that, that it's not green screen because um, the wall will will change. Um, okay. Yeah this this is a um, a French cleat system that I built where I can just grab stuff right off the wall. Oh, really nice. Yeah. And then well done. It looks a lot better than the old pegboard, which is sitting over there that I used to film up against. Yeah, it looks clean. <laughs> um, man. Thanks. That, that was um, I'm not gonna lie. That was a pain. That was a real pain to do. <laughs> yeah, I bet there was a ton of measuring and recutting, huh? There's a lot of ton, yeah, and uh, and and wood is expensive. Yeah, it um, is. but yeah, like this this 1911 barrel, I had to cut the the hood back mm -hmm. to to. I mean, it's oversized. It, it was a gun. It was a gunsmith fit, fit barrel. I knew that, which is fine because that's why I bought it. But you know, mm -hmm. when you start buying these barrels, you got to do the fitment too. That's what's really nice about them because I can adjust the lockup to exactly the way I want it to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I can take a cheaper slide and make it run really freaking awesome with a, with a good barrel. Mm. Um, but no, yeah, that, no. I, yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, I think some people think the word drop in is also a marketing buzz term. In some cases, it's a real feature because it means you don't have to do anything, it's going to work the moment you drop it in. Yeah, no, I, it, it's it's absolutely, and that that's the thing is, um, if I buy a barrel and it fits, it, if it drops in, that's great, right? I mean, I like I like to say I'm more of a practical shooter. Um, sure, you know, I can appreciate like I like to say I can appreciate a Kimber. Kimber's got really nice tight tolerances. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to run a Kimber because in competition, I've seen so many Kimbers go down halfway through the competition because of that tight tolerance. Mm. Um, you know, they get dirty. So that's where, you know, some loose fitting parts. I like to say that like a Glock is like the AK of the pistol world, right? Sure. Got a little bit of slop to it, but the thing is going to run every, it's going to go bang every yeah. time. Yeah. When I, when I'm done that pistol, honestly, it's, it, it'll shoot. It's, but it's more of a looks pistol, right? Mm. Um, got a nice it'll have a nice tight lockup but yeah it, drop in is sometimes yeah <laughs> for me if it drops in great if not um i have no problems with pulling my files out and, and adjusting hood but that's a little different for me um yeah not everybody's like that not everybody's that not everybody's anyway. like that some people yeah, can punch I, out the pins in their glock and that's it yeah and which is which is kind of there's nothing wrong with that it's just it's just yeah yeah, everyone's uh, but at I a do, different I do like, agree level. with you on, on the barrels. And sometimes it, it becomes a marketing buzzword when mm -hmm. sometimes it's, you know, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as long as I'm here, I'll be very careful with, you know, the kind of verbiage we use so that we put out just good information and good products for people. Awesome. So I'm going to bring your web page up on another page here. This is on the sure. optics. Mm. So one thing, it, I, it was kind of funny. I love the name of the of the gum. 
right? I mean, this is just just kind of cool because Glocks, it, unless you got an aftermarket slide or you got something really new, they were not designed to run optics. Mm -hmm. um, now you have the gum. So now we can mount an optic to a slide that was not designed to. Mm -hmm. And of course, the problem with optics these days is, well, do I have a doctor or do I have a SIG or do I have this? It doesn't matter with this thing. RMR, RMSC, yeah, RMR, Shield, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, so with this, it doesn't really matter. No. Um, you got the holes for everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is our V2 that we just came out with uh, last Friday, I believe. Um, I guess by the time this podcast comes out, two Fridays ago. So... <laughs> Uh, our version one was discontinued because we released the V2. The V2 was made to accept even more optic footprint patterns. Um, and it's it's quite interesting. If you want to look at the photos, slide through those real quick. Um, you'll see kind let's uh, let's go to the right a little bit. One more to the right. Maybe two more. Yeah, one more. Uh, let's keep going. Sorry. That's fine. We'll get there. Well, I guess that's it. Okay, well, it's in the video. <laughs> I don't know if you want to play the video. I don't know how it'll affect the stream of our of our recording, but uh, that's a good spot, actually. Let's stay there. So how this works is that you don't use a rear side pusher. You t gently tap in into the rear uh, dub site of the, or, sorry, dovetail of the any Glock, um, whether it's OEM or aftermarket. I mean, I'm, I assume there are some why you would buy an aftermarket Glock slide that doesn't have a slide cut is beyond me, but some people do it, right? Let's say that's you. Um, as long as you have the Glock rear dovetail, um, you can tap in the gum V2. And what happens is you have several screws, I think as many as eight, um, that are used to balance the entire uh, mounting surface. You can see one of them. You can see right one there. or two of them there. Yeah, some yep. shadows there. But what happens is once you tap that in, you're going to need to use all these set screws, which come pre-installed on the plate, to balance that entire uh, plate on your slide. So you have a perfect even uh, amount of space between the slide and the optics mounting plate. And then you can mount your optic to it once you know that the plate is perfectly level. Um, we didn't necessarily use for the uh, like a bubble leveler or anything like that to install this but you certainly could if you have one handy uh, but generally speaking this is easy enough to do on your own in just like maybe 20 30 minutes if you're taking your time that's, that's what i love about that is that you know we're, we're going to put it into a dovetail for me i mean I, I don't know if it's just me because i'm a competition shooter or whatever you know i'm trying to get as much contact with the gun as possible Mm -hmm. But if I tap into, or I'll tap into, if I if I go into that rear dovetail, now I've got the shelf kind of hanging out there that can flex, right? So mm -hmm. now with these screws pushing down, now I have more contact to my slide. There are several contact points. Yeah, there's going to be, I, I believe, eight contact points. So there's two in the dovetail, and there's six throughout the plate that's touching the slide. Will it mar your slide? That's kind of like um, that's a trade-off. Yeah, it may you may like you know mar your slide. However, you know the kind of person that we thought if you're putting, of when that, we if were you're putting that product, on, it's not coming off. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Actually, we I think the thought process behind this product is for people that maybe aren't ready to commit to a certain optics footprint, right? Because once you commit to a slide cut, 
whether it's RMR or whatever, like DPP or, you know, what have you, well, you're kind of locked into that. There's only so many optics per footprint, right? Now, obviously, RMR, you have quite a few, thanks to Hollison and yeah. some other companies. But, um, yeah, that's really the kind of person and end user we had in mind with, uh, you know, coming out with a V2 or having the gum at all, right? I think some people may not understand that because they'd be like, well, why not just get an aftermarket slide? Why not just get a slide cut? Some people aren't ready to make that level of commitment. Yeah, but but for fit was it fifty? Yeah, let me get out of this. I mean, it's only like was it fifty? Yeah, fifty five dollars. Yeah, you can you yeah. can see if Red Dot is for you and you want to invest in an aftermarket slide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cheap to to find because what happens? Some people don't Red Dots just don't play well with them, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it takes a lot of not, practice. Um, you know, I took a I took a new shooter out earlier this year, and mm-hmm. we were doing iron sights. Then I handed them. Um, actually, it was my Sig PP20X5. Okay, is my competition gun, and he's like, "Where the hell is that dot?" I'm like, mm. "Yeah, right." It, it t- you know, just because red dot is makes it a- easier to aim, you still need to work at it. To yeah, it took me probably a year. I want to say a year, year and a half before I could, even now, it depends on which gun I'm using, which optic I'm using. It yeah. really like depends, you know, like whichever one I've had more time behind, I'm pretty good now, pretty decent. Um, but it took me a year and a half, like a couple of years ago in order to really like, you know, get dialed in with red dot side use. And not like, to mention, I, I, like, you know, you got enclosed emitters, you got open emitters and you've yeah. got different brands, different level of different shapes, different, uh, size of field of view, right? Everyone's going to realize after a certain amount of time using different products that like, hey, I like this because of XYZ, ABC, one, two, three. I don't like this for the same amount of reasons. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, Jessica Hook, who shoots for Beretta, she mm-hmm. used to be an iron shooter. And mm-hmm. she, did a, she did a post on Instagram to, with her starting to start shoot with red dots. And you could see she's slower. She, you could see her chasing the red dot, and mm-hmm. her thing was chasing the red dot's a real thing. Um, so that, yeah, that for fifty five dollars, take your stock block. I mean, you know, a punch, a hammer, you get the rear sight out. They're not that hard, and then you know, tap that in, screw it in, get get it all set. Try out red dots. Right. Yeah. I mean, rare side pushers are expensive too. Trust me, I I have uh, four of them. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I have four of them, and and one of one of my side pushers, which is my go-to pusher, is an MGW. Mm -hmm. So the base of the side pusher, not any of the conversions, is like three hundred fifty dollars. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I, so I bought that because I was doing circuit work, and okay. one of my cheaper sight pushers marked up a slide that I had just circuited. I was just about to say the same thing, yeah. I won't name any so, names, but let's just say I've only experienced two brands in terms of rear sight pushers. That's uh, Wheeler Engineering and Real Avid. Um, but, yeah, that's a risk when you use uh, rear sight pushers. So, yeah, it's funny. Those are two of my sight pushers I have. Well, I like one of them more than the other. <laughs> yeah, it's and it, 
you know, when you have, I've spent so much time on this pistol doing this surcoat. Fortunately, it was just a flat dark earth. It wasn't anything crazy. Mm-hmm. But still, when you mix your surcoat, sometimes you just don't get the color the same. So mm-hmm. I had to sandblast the, the gun, the frame, which I had already put back together. Um, so I had to take that apart, blast the frame, blast the slide, um, refinish them. And it's like hours of work. Um, I went right on Brownell's website. When I marked that slide up, I went right on Brownell's website, ordered that site pusher. And, and that's when I, when I came in, I finally finished putting that slide back together, or that gun back together. And then unfortunately having to tell the customer, I'm sorry, it's going to be a few more days. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's another, uh, feature I can add to the page for the gun V2. Yeah. You know, you don't need, you don't need a rear side pusher. And also you don't yeah. have to worry about marring up your slide in case it's been circulated or something like that. Right. I mean, it's funny. I used to be so worried about finish of guns. And then when I started doing circuit work, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. I, well, I once like, you start doing, you know, it's not going to last. Yeah. I was just like, uh, yeah, all right. That sucks. I'll, I'll just refinish it. <laughs> yeah. It just happens. Well, we are rolling. Uh, we're coming up on 54 minutes. And everybody that has been watching, like I said before, we're going to have all the links down below to get to Strike Industries and get to their, their webpage, their Instagram. They've got some really cool things out there. And uh, I just want to wrap up with a speed round. It's just okay. a little game we play at the end. It's going to be four this or that questions. And then one thinking question. And for your first question, Glock or SIG? Oh, <laughs> so much for fast. Um, <laughs> and trust me, sometimes the speed round adds 20 minutes to the podcast. Okay. So so give me a second. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll make it easier for you. Okay. There's a table. Okay. With a Glock 17 and a SIG P320 sitting on it. Okay. Which one do you pick up first? Well, can I ask some questions? Sure. Is the Glock OEM or we got aftermarket parts? Let's just let's just say both guns are OEM. Oh. Stock they're stock right out of the box. I think I would I think I would pick up the SIG. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's see here. How about 10 Wait, millimeter? do you want to know but wait, do you sure. want to know why Go though? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so because so I, I love my 34, right? And I have a various um a variety amount of other Glock builds, like the 26, 19, 19X, uh, 17 length, with or without comps, etc. I don't like the OEM because I can't shoot it well. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, can, I mean, I used to can't shoot well fast, right? I can shoot it really well if I'm shooting like one shot per two seconds or three seconds, then sure. But with the SIG, it's so soft normally. It usually comes with a short reset trigger these days. They typically just... Yeah do away with their bad triggers now because they know it doesn't sell well or doesn't sell as well um any p320 m17 m18 whatever it's going to come with that like big curved trigger and it's going to have a really nice short reset and it's soft too the difference between an oem glock and an oem sig is that when the trigger breaks the break on a sig is really soft it's just like a nice kind of yeah. a, like a soft pop whereas yeah. um the click on an OEM Glock that has not been broken in is aggressive. You know, you know, because that the feeling of the sear on the right side of the slide, which is, I think it also 
affects you know certain people's pull and with their yank yep. as well it's so totally unless does. you unless you've had like 10 20 50 100,000 rounds to on like behind a glock or like me you've got a lot of aftermarket parts and you've spent you know the rounds yep. and the time behind it then you're not going to be able to really counter that you know so yeah that's why that's why i stick <laughs> no it's fine it, it's funny because um i was an early adopter of the of the, of the p320 um, okay you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt that I had an FFL at the time. So, mm -hmm. um, so I got a P320 the first year it came out. Okay. And so I went from a Glock 17 to a SIG 229. So I had to get used to going from striker fire back to double action, single action. Mm. So when SIG came out with a 320, I'm like, great, striker action, I can get back to it. Because like in my 229, um, when I was shooting competition with it, I was burning off the first round to get to the single action, right? Because mm -hmm. the double action sucks. So I got my I got my three twenty, and so this is pre, you know, voluntary recall, whatever you want to call the, the, the upgrade whole, program. Yeah, the upgrade program, voluntary upgrade program. The triggers back then were not that great. Mm. They really weren't. They really weren't that great before the uh, before that upgrade. Yeah, I would um, agree. Like when I went to the range, the first time I went to the range with my P320, I, I like to say it's like a bad first date. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, okay. And I'm, I'm like, on the car ride home, my wife's like, so um, what do you think? I go like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to keep this gun. Yeah. And she's like, really? I go, yeah, I don't know if I, if I want to keep this. And she's like, why? I'm like, it, it's just not right. And she goes, you know what your problem is? She goes, you're expecting that to be your Glock, and it's not. It, which mm. made total sense, right? I was expecting yeah. it to be my Glock. The next time at the range, I'm like, okay, it's not my Glock. And I started to like the SIG, but I still there was still something just off with that trigger. When it went through the voluntary upgrade program, when I got that gun back, I'm like, that's my gun. That's, mm. that's the trigger pull that I want. Yeah. Because... They made that trigger pull. I mean, it had a decent trigger pull before. It was definitely better than a Glock, but it's still there was still something off. I got things yeah. back. That trigger that was the trigger pull that I was looking for. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. I mean, most P320s that um, have already received the voluntary upgrade, or they their let's say their serial number wasn't affected. Like my my P320, uh, it's an AXG build, uh, and it's like for I believe. Well, the way I'm building it right now it's for open uh, um open division it didn't get affected by that so the serial number was good from the get-go from the factory but um for other p320s same thing like it's got a really great amount of pre-travel that's just not mushy it's clean yep. it's not a really great distance of pre-travel not a lot of mush and it's also predictable so i mean it yes. makes a lot of sense why the army picked it up or the military picked it up in general just because it is easy for beginners to use. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's got the manual safety too in the military at least. So you're not gonna have those issues that everyone's scared of the P320 having. But anyways. No, that's that was, it, it's a great conversation. <laughs> it, it's so that was funny my reasoning. What was so funny is everybody in the podcast, um the the, the po last week's podcast I had Alex from AB Prototype on. We talked all about about SIG P three twenties on that podcast. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's it, no, I agree with you. It's just 
it's so weird to see because that's the one thing about a P320 is some people are like, I love it. And the other people are, I hate it. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's yeah. not a lot of in between on that gun. Yeah. I got um, a coworker that's always just like, all right, there comes the SIG guy. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a SIG phase. Okay. <laughs> I'm a gun, I'm a gun guy. I'm, you know, you and, just, I want to, I want to try out different things. And I do have a few P320s where not one part in it is a SIG. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's a well, lot of, there's a lot of aftermarket. Well, no, even the FCU, even the FCU is not SIG. Oh, I hear you now, loud and clear. <laughs> Roger that. And, yeah. And that, and and those in the and those in the audience, especially those that are in the build community, know what I'm talking about because um, that was the video that I pissed off five U.S. senators um, with showing how to make it, and oh. they wrote a letter to YouTube to take the video. <laughs> oh, you know what? I remember this. Oh, I didn't know you were the reason for that. That's funny. I may or may not have partaken in such a project in the past. Um, <laughs> and let's say while I may or may not have been partaking in said project, um, I may or may not have felt like I was Iron Man in the first movie, just uh, hammering <laughs> away. I was like, this is super cool, but man, <laughs> yeah. it's, it was yeah. a different experience for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So second question, as I said, it's, like I said, sometimes speed rounds at 20 minutes. Yeah, you weren't kidding. You weren't kidding. <laughs> um, 10 millimeter or 357 Magnum? Uh, probably 10 mil just because I don't know anything about 357 Magnum. I've shot it like, that. well, yeah, not yet. At least I've shot like three. So I just don't know much about <laughs> wheel guns. I want to, you know, but I'm not going to pretend like I, I know anything about them. I'm, I'm no cowboy. <laughs> there you yeah, go. 10 mil for sure, just because I know way more about it. So, AR AK? Oh, AR, hands down. I have an AK build. It has given me nothing but heartaches. I spent way too much money on it. AR all the way. Um, I will say that if you have a good running AK, it's not as hard as you think to run that manual of arms. I do think a lot of people give it way more crap than it deserves. I mean, like, come on, there's so many different versions out there for good reason too. You know, you got the Chinese ones, you got the Romanian, uh, Ukrainian, uh, Hungarian, the uh, Egyptian ones, and Russian ones. I mean, for good for good reason, you know. My, but my personal, my first AK made me hate AKs. So yeah, same. <laughs> I had um, I had an Egyptian Mahdi. Okay, I cool. Back in the '90s, when the Clintons were in office, um, the barrels canted, and I had to push aside. It just turned me off, right? Mm. Um, and I was just like, I hate AK. I still have that rifle today. One day I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the thing apart and fix it. Um, it, it had it had all kinds of internal problems. It, it was it was. I'm like, I bought an AK because these things are supposed to be reliable, and this gun sucks. Um, Eventually, over time, I got the AK to run correctly and all that stuff. But um, then I got a, a, a PSA GF3. And Not familiar, when I got that but... GF3, I love that GF3. Really? Um, okay. It, it's just one of those things is that that gun just runs the way I expected it to. Um, it's, it's a milled receiver, not a stamp receiver. And it, mm. it just... For me, it just it just works. Um, but I'm still an AR person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can appreciate I think it's a, an AK. Yeah, but I'm still for an sure. AR person. Yeah, I think I think we're in the same boat. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, people go, but it's it's a piston. Not a, I'm like, yeah, but I can make my AR-15 a piston too. Yeah. Plenty of cool piston guns out there. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. How about um, everybody in the audience is probably expecting me to do hearing protection, but I'm not going to do hearing protection this time. Um, let's do um, – all right, here we go. Let's go pump, uh, pump guns. Okay. 870 or 500. Are you oh. going with the Mossberg or the, or the Remington? And just can think, we haven't gotten can to I your see? thinking question yet. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would say neither, actually. I would go, I mean, it's Mossberg, but I would go 590A1 because it's go. a little bit, it's opened up a little bit. You don't have the, the gate to block your, your, your feeding. And yep. uh, they've got different lengths. I believe they have a 19, 20, and an 18 and a half. I, I, I could be wrong, but, um, That's but cool. I, I like, I love the 590A1. It's so cool. I, I've owned an 870. I've shot a lot of 870s. Um, there's a lot of great demolition ranch videos from back in the day of him <laughs> shooting, you name it, treating it as if it was like a cannon. Like I think he put forks in it, you know, and just it, yeah. like the barrel just it just works. Like the 870 is awesome for so many reasons. But if you had to spend your money, like your hard-earned money, on just one pump gun, I would get the 591. 590, awesome. All right, so now we got through that. Here's your thinking question. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm going to take you to the world's largest armory. Okay. Inside this armory is one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile. This could be anything from Dennis the Menace's slingshot to the deck gun off the Missouri. It's been cleared by every possible government agency that could ever stand in the way of this. It's already been cleared. You can have okay. one of anything in here. What are you walking out with? Siege engine. <laughs> I like it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. That is a People... first. Oh, really? Cool. I'm using yes. it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of cool guns out there, and I've seen some things, some weird things get shot. I've shot a couple of cannons myself. Um, obviously, nothing as big as like, you know, some. 1903 howitzer or whatever but um yeah there's something just about uh the siege engine that just enamors that's me that's so awesome i love i love the way you went with that because i honestly i instantly so, I mean, knew really really we've only talked to each other a little bit before the podcast but other than that you know i, I have no idea what to expect you know, some people yeah. I, I know and I, I, I kind of get an idea of what they're going to go for. And then they surprise me. That one totally blew me away. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the, the thing about like uh, there's this there's a, the trending topic online for probably the past summer. Like how often do men think about like the Roman Empire or whatever or World War Two? Yeah. Um, personally, I think about World War Two way more than the Roman Empire. Um but when I do think about the Roman Empire, I'm constantly just thinking of like siege warfare. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's like the, yeah. Yeah, it's like the ultimate of siege warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Like your 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 um your introductory to, you know, full army, you know, battle tactics come from that era, you know. And I mean War uh the if if you look at special 
I don't know what they're called in Korea, but they're, they're special. I mean, the riot police, yeah. There's some really cool footage of them from, I think, either 2016 or 2006. Of, there's like someone's in like a tall, like skyrise building, and they're just filming these uh, police practicing riot maneuvers. They're literally using Roman tactics to herd these people who are rioting with nothing but these like rubber batons and plastic shields. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's so funny when you think about it. We tie... There's really, I mean, technology has changed, but mm -hmm. tactics, there, there's a lot of tactics that they're still around from I mean, way back when. Look, I mean, there's look at a the Ukrainian why. war, right? Yeah, yeah, we've gone back to World War One. Exactly. Um, I mean, you think about it, you, you think about the military academies, you know, the Air Force Academy, the Naval Academy and all that stuff. They're mm -hmm. still teaching tactics from Roman Empire, you know, the Middle Ages, um, World War One, World War Two. There's this. They're teaching all this stuff because it's still relevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might have a modern twist of it, but really, nothing, not much has changed. Yeah. Instead of a chariot, it's a tank. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. I, I siege engine. That's that's that is really cool, man. I I I, I can appreciate that one. Awesome. Okay. I don't know which specific one, but uh, you just want one. What, I just want what, one, a working one. You just want one. Yeah. See, um, you know, for me, I went to school. I went to high school in Delaware, so we used to have um, pumpkin chunking. What? So, yeah. You, you, so you have So pumpkin chunking is uh, it was a contest every year. So it's not a siege engine. Okay. But what it is is you have like trebuchets and mm. and catapults, and the whole mm -hmm. idea is to launch pumpkins mm -hmm. and see who gets there's the farthest in their category. So gotcha. it was always cool to see that stuff. So when you said siege engine, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is just so cool. But yeah, one day. Awesome. Well. Uh, Thank you so much for taking time. I know it's taken us a little bit to get this one scheduled, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to us today. For sure. Yeah, thank you for your time, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Man, that was a fun episode. I really love doing upgrades to firearms. It's where you can truly express yourself. You know, we're going to take something that's stock and turn it into something you. Not something that the firearms manufacturer thinks you want something you truly want. That's why I love the aftermarket parts that are out there. But it's also important to have quality parts, and that's what Strike Industry has. Now, if you like the work that I do here, please consider supporting me for free by going to www.trb.fyi and doing your online shopping using the affiliate links and banners out there. You can go to Partners and Discounts and you can see everybody that I'm associated with. Click that link, go shopping, and it won't cost you one penny more than you were already going to spend. That's right. It's not going to cost you anything more, but yet you're going to help me bring you additional content that you want to see. Now for the product of the podcast, it is the AR Builder Board. I've talked about this before. Brandon was on the show. It's a super cool product. I really believe in. It's so simple. It makes building your AR lower so easy. And what's funny is they were just in gun digest i mean this is how big this product is starting to get it's starting to get a lot of traction and it's starting to show up in magazines 
So definitely go check it out. I have a link down below. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That video is about the High Point 1095 carbine. I know, it's a High Point, but trust me, it's cool and it's 10 millimeter. For everybody else, there's a link down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon.